0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. Uh, a little boy who's only two years old, and they found... Are we on? We're on? They found a tumor in his head, and they operated on him. And Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, an operation on a, a little kid, two years old, and he came out of the operation, and he can move his hands, and he can move everything... And for and his father, who happened mm-hmm. haven't to know very well, mm-hmm. sent me his name. And we have to learn from this. Just first. give a name and not go into the details. We have to learn. Just the name. Yeah, if you give a name for sick. When sick. No, 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 no. It's not I'm not talking you. about you. Every name that you get. I'm you not know. talking I'm about, about you. Don't give me all the details. Okay. Just give it, so me the down name. It's just more meaningful final. No, it was different. No, that's the first thing it is. Everyone is different. So what's yeah. his name? What do you mean? Someone's going in for a, a hernie operation. You have to you have to you have to give their name just as much as so no, I'm just okay, saying there's so, there's so many that a, I would have to spend the whole day. Let's see if we can find the name. Okay, Daphne Mohan when we look What's the name of the raid? Uh, <laughs> no. I'm I'm going to find it I'm going to find it you know how many text messages I get so I'll have to find he sent me in the middle of the day Mm. no where's his name where is his name Yellow. Sometimes it's better. I don't know why it's not here. Come on, come on, come on, where'd you go? Perps with evening the UL not here I'll have to get it again oh I got it okay his name is Naftali Tzvi Ben Yocheved Rachel Naftali Tzvi Ben Yocheved Rachel Naftali Tzvi is a deer a deer should run like a deer. Be healthy like a deer. Okay. Rachel, took care of all the all the little all the little children All right. Diana. Yeah. Okay, this is a new My friend is dying. I want ah. to say, tell him from the hospital. I'm telling you. All right. Okay, I don't want anyone to hear about you, with this. Is- She's living. She's living. Oh, you you so you have the name. What name? I just No, you a rock. Oh, you I'm tired. I'm <laughs> tired. I'm tired, Miriam Sorry, Uh oh we're in trouble. You were official Miriam Okay. So we're gonna do a little um continuation on last week's Speech, um, so this week, Parshish Pakuday. Parshish Pakuday is, first of all, tonight is Rosh Chodesh Adar Shaini. Squat down that really poor, that, that, that Shaini when, when Haman did the whole open did his whole poor, where he did his whole lottery, and it came out on the 7th of Adar and he was all happy because that's when Moshe Rabbeinu died, right? So I saw in a sefer that actually Moshe Rabbeinu died in Pesach in in, in Why they had an Adar then I don't know. But um, it's before they had Bez. Before I don't know. Before they had uh, Bezim, maybe I'm not sure. But according to that, according to that it's, this is, you know, um, Adar Sheni. Adar is a very special month because because Hashem gives us an extra thirty days. Normally you only have thirty days to be extra happy. Now we have sixty days. Does anyone here know? It says in the Shulchan Aruch that you should be marvin besimcha, sheniklas ador marvin besimcha. You should be happier. Who in this room did something in the last thirty days to be happier? Yeah, specifically because it's Adar? Very good. What? Oh, you put a fish with the fish. Okay, but for some reason it doesn't tell us in 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 Shulchan Aruch when it says. Mishenichnas of, when the month of Av comes in, you should be less happy. It tells you you can't drink wine, you can't eat meat, you can't you can't make a wedding, right? Then it tells us when you're in the month of Avadu, you should be happy. It doesn't tell you what should you make a lechem every day? Should you listen to music every day? Is it meant to eat meat? Is it No, it's not. It doesn't say. It's just says you should be happier. It doesn't say how to be happier. I'm coming to this room like, girls, you're not happy enough tonight you have to be happier you're like what? all, the, all my problems just went away because you said that like like, how should I do that I don't know, I'm not telling you how, just do it so how could the how, what does this mean how do you make yourself happier right and the miracle in Adam is very nice, Purim but if anything Mishinichnas Nisan she just to him Mabim doesn't say that. Doesn't say Mishnechnas Nisan Marvin Mesimcha. Even though we had Yichiyas Mitrayim, Kriyas Yamsuf. Doesn't say nothing. Doesn't say Matan Torah. Right? Mishinichnas Sivon Marvin Mesimcha. What's with Ador? Right? Okay, it's a big miracle. Don't get me wrong with Purim. But so was, uh, Kabbalah That's the reason we're in this world. And so was, uh, so was, so was Pesach. The answer is as follows why should you be happier and the answer is that as long as a person knows that somebody's watching them and somebody cares about them and that everything that happens in their life good or bad has a khashban has a reason that in itself gives you happiness the the the, the saddest people are the people who feel that nobody cares about them. That no one cares if they're alive or dead. Nobody cares about their daily needs. Nobody cares about them at all, right? So, the Mavim because Ado is the only miracle that we celebrate. That is Nister. That is a hidden miracle. Shavuos Shvat and Sukkis was out in the desert. Pesach is uh, was very was very nigla. The ten the, the the ten plagues and the splitting of the Yamsu. Hanukkah uh, one day after for eight days. So. To, to, to see miracles, right? Does that give you happiness every day? No. It only gives you happiness when you have a miracle, right? You're not happy every single day because of those miracles. But if every day, the, the nas nister, if every day the appreciation that you can breathe and that you can live and, and that you have, you have emotions and that, and that you're in this world and you can make a bracha and you can do a chesed and there's so much you can do, the nister, the stuff that we take for granted, the hidden, the sunrise, the sunset, the flowers, the colors, the 71 degree weather today, right? Who said thank you to Hashem today that it was 71 degrees in the middle of... It's not It's not spring yet. March 21st of spring. We're still in winter, right? 71 degrees! Who stood by the door this morning and said, Wow, it's so warm, i got to wear a coat, and it's not raining. And it's like, I, I, and you feel better when it's warm, you know, and the sun's on you, you know. So like, who thanked Hashem for that? That's Nister. You did? Well, okay. You did? Okay. Rachel Shem, I have good tummy dots. Right? But, but, that, so knowing that someone cares about you, and knowing that someone is there for you, that, that is the biggest simcha. And the nase of Purim, if you look at the miracle of Purim, it's not, it's not a miracle. It's an everyday story. There's nothing really special that happened. It's very interesting. The Medrash starts off. in The Medrash in, in, in Esther, it says, it's a story of where a guy killed his wife because of his friend and then killed his friend because of his wife. He killed Vashti because Haman, who was advisor of Muchan, told him, what do you mean? She's embarrassing you in front of everyone. So his friend... His friend, he killed his wife because his friend told him to do it. At the end of the story, he kills his friend, Haman, because his wife told him to do it. It's a funny story! Right? That's how the magic starts. Look at this story. It's like, wow. But the truth is, if you look at the story as it is, it's a Persian Persian story. It's not like a big deal. You have a king. If you know anything about Beirosh, there was a whole... There's a whole thing that um, there's a whole macho, there's, a, there's a lot of differences in in like was was Esther beautiful, or was Esther not beautiful at all? So half one one you know some rabbis say she was very beautiful, some rabbis say she was called Hadassah because she was green. Green could mean an olive complexion, whatever. We don't know exactly what that means. So, and and that specifically it was a, it was timtachem be'enav because she wasn't beautiful. If she was beautiful, what's the what's the miracle? He fell in love with a beautiful woman. She wasn't beautiful. So there's, there's always, there's always two sides. And if you, when you live Esther, so there's one side that says that Ahasuerus was brilliant, a schemer, very smart, worse than Haman. And there's another side that says he was dumb and he wasn't worse than Haman. So there's, there's, there's two sides. But the truth is that Ahasuerus was bad. He, he took out the, the clay Migdash. He took out the clay Migdash and you know, I spoke about Zumba a long time ago. I'm not bringing it up because I don't want them to get me into trouble. What happened last time? But but how oh, am going to get myself into trouble. Okay. Um, assimilation. What happened at, at Achshavayoshi's party when it started was was not as bad as Zumba. Whoa! What? what? What, what am I saying? What am I saying? What am I saying? I'll explain it to you. What does that mean? If you look in the Gilas Esther, it says that Achashveros and Haman, they were very smart. When they made the mishta, it was glat, kosher, food, cooked and warmed up the Svadim call it, I forget what the Svadim called it, that the Jew has to turn, not only turn on the fire, but he has to cook it. I remember in Kosher Delight, they used to say, I want my meat, whatever, I forgot what it's called, but whatever. So, um, so they made sure that everything not only was kosher, but was served by Jewish waiters, and the wine was not touched by non-Jews, so it wasn't Yayin Stam, Yayin Nesach, and that's why he said, the king said that every person can have a wine according to what he wants because the Jews would not drink they were tzaddikim, they're like we're not going to this Christmas party unless they have kosher food right, they had kosher food we're not going there, if they have women there were no women it was separate seating It's interesting. it was separate seating the, the, the Vashti had a party for the women because we had a party for the men there was it was separate seating better than some you know by missus we go to right separate seating kosher food kosher wine no women no movies no bad stuff and a Clay Zimmer band Jewish music <laughs> Jew- Jewish music I'm just giving i making a joke Clay Zimmer <laughs> right Right, so so it was totally kosher. Zumba has English music. It has it has not Jewish music, right? So this this was very Jewish. And Mordechai, who was the only one, said, "That's worse. That's worse than if it wasn't kosher." And there were women there. Why? Because if it wasn't kosher and there were women there, they wouldn't have gone. It's much more dangerous when it comes to assimilation, when you feel comfortable, and you feel comfortable, and they make you comfortable, then you assimilate. If, you, if they would have said, you're invited to the king's party, but there's mixed seating, and there's tray for food, and there's wine that's not bushel that's being served by Goyim, you're not going. He'll be cut, and he was very careful. If you look at the... He was very... According to the measures that I learned, he was very, very smart. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. At the party... And though drinking was according to your Das, according to Kados, according to the Frum Jewish way. Ain' ones, Nobody was forced to drink. When you usually go to when you go to Persia, when you go to a guest, the biggest insult you can do is if they offer you something to eat and drink and you refuse it. You don't refuse it. Right? So here he said, Ain ones. He came al Beso, it's a very weird Pussy, because the the king right, ordered all his officer officers and people, to do the will of every man, and therefore if they wanted kosher, there was kosher. And they wanted kosher wine, there was kosher wine. And he said, Don't force them. Because if you force them, then their Malach and Shemaim is going to defend them. And say it's not their fault. They were an Aines, you forced them. So the king specifically said, make sure that they do it on their own will. Now, once they were sitting at the party, and once they were drinking wine. And they were drinking kosher wine. They got drunk from kosher wine. And that's when he when he decided, now I'm going to take out the Kalim, the Beshamiddash. You're not allowed to use the a, a Jew is not allowed to use a the Kaimisa. Right here, the Goyim, he took out the Caleb and the Bessam and the Jews were eating and drinking out of those Kaleem. And then he invited Vashti to come and go in front of everyone without any clothing on. She didn't make it. She didn't get there. But that was his idea. So the, the the power of the satan, the the thing you got to be more scared of, is when it's kosher. It's when you feel comfortable. It's interesting. I have a girl right now in rehab, and she she went she, because of what happened to her. She decided she's not kosher anymore, and she's not and she's wearing pants, and and she's like totally Hashem like, does he exist? He doesn't exist. Whatever. And it's not her fault. She went through crazy trauma. Whatever it is, and, and she went to this rehab where they all. There was one other Jew and she left already. She's not there anymore. It's in Florida and they're all non-Jews. They're all non-Jews. Here in New York, McDonald's. Here in New York, pants. Now you dropped them in a place where they're all guy and there are no Jews. She said, I'm only eating kosher. So when I went to visit her, they took me into the kitchen totally non-Jewish traif chaser pig chaser traif rehab and they took me in the kitchen and they brought me to the chef and he he said oh we just got our delivery of kosher meat for so and so I'm like yeah probably Hebrew national right he takes the box out of the freezer he opens it up it's Ali Satmer processing from Williamsburg and she told me I need to get I need money because I need to buy skirts now this is a girl right and I gave I'm giving my pants to all the non-Jewish people like so when I was here I, I sat down and I said what's going on here like in Brooklyn with all the Jews you like eating trade from wearing pants now you're right so because when she was by the Goyim and she was eating non-kosher and she felt she, she 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 knew she was Jewish so she wanted to be she wanted to be different she wanted to be she wanted to get her Jewishness back whatever it is and it's very weird it's not the first time that this, you know that this happened so when you get comfortable right you get comfortable you get comfortable with certain things you get comfortable with your movies you get comfortable with your music you get comfortable with all that stuff that's when you're in trouble it's when you're uncomfortable that you might change and you're comfortable it's very hard for a person to change so over here very much knew to get the Jews to do what he wanted, he'd have to make them comfortable. So he made a glatt kosher with kosher wine, with kosher waiters, with kosher everything, and, and that's how they fell. And, and Mordecai knew what was going on, and Mordecai said, it's not a kosher party, it's a Christmas party. At the end of the day, having kosher at a Christmas party you're celebrating Christmas. And he understood that, but they didn't, they didn't chop that, they didn't understand that. And, and that's something we, Today, oh my gosh! You heard today with Iran, yeah. so so today's Rish Today's Rish Chaydush, right? So I, I I read this and um, and a lot of people who heard about it got very scared. And I was like, no, don't you see? It's Mamish, poor Iran is Persia. It's al-Madai. It's where the story took place, right? So today they shot two ballistic missiles, two ballistic missiles without warheads. They sat, shot. I believe it was 760 miles, which is to the other side. From one side of Iran to the other side of Iran. Because they said that Israel, that's how far Israel is. They want Israel to know that anytime they want, they can wipe them off the face of the earth. But what do they do? I, I have to read this to you. This is worth listening to. You have to hear this. And I said this years ago when they started their nuclear stuff. How I that I'm right. So today is Rish this is a, This is this is where you expect Persia to wake up, right? This is Haman. Haman, Haman had it. Signed, sealed, he had everything. Listen to what these Chayas did today. So other people who read this, so, I'm so scared what's going to happen. I'm like, Kirj Baruch was going to happen. What happened to Haman? What was his... Um, Punishment. The punishment was that he hung on the tree that he made for Mordechai. Right? So, can you imagine they shoot they shoot nuclear nuclear missiles to Israel and they end up landing in Iran? Their own missiles that they want, the own tree that they built. Oh, come on, this is you have to hear that. I'm not ta- I'm not reading this to scare you. I'm reading just the opposite. You should know the perum's coming. It's coming. They say we're we time. This is the end of days. There's nothing to talk about. Our enemies have nuclear bombs. So what? Like what? What do you want? Hold on. There were Jews in right? There are. There are a few Jews, and there are a few. Not a lot. They all ran out. They're all here. They're in Great Neck, and no, seriously, Great Neck and Brooklyn and in, in L.A. Baruch Hashem, they got out. Are you kidding me? They, they had to. There's a few. There's a few. just Give me two seconds. We're gonna get this for you. All uh, right, listen to this. Don't. Now, I'm not reading this for you to be scared. I'm not reading this for you to be scared. Just the opposite. You have nothing to be scared about. If I could find it, we'll see what happens. I may not be able to find it because it's a thrill nobody really cares about much. I'm not going to find it. I tape, I copied it down. All right. That's what happens when you have a Nebuchadnezzar phone. Never They are not so smart. They forget things. They forget things. Baruch Hashem, good thing to have a Nebuchadnezzar All right, I don't have it anyway. What they did, what they did is they wrote in Hebrew on the missile. They wrote in Hebrew words. I don't know when I ran out to write Hebrew, but they wrote in Hebrew words um, the destruction of of Israel is near, something like that. In Come on that's it, it's just Haman, it's Haman, Haman. I don't see like I read you exactly I don't think so here, we'll yeah. here it is listen to this must be wiped out Iran sends bold missile message to Israel oh they're going to get it boy Iran reportedly test fired two ballistic missiles Wednesday with the phrase Israel must be wiped out written in Hebrew on them but they said they didn't violate the nuclear deal, whatever it is. And then they wrote, Who, who wrote this for them? Um, their head, their head honcho, their, their, their Ayatollah, their, their Achashverosh. So they wrote it in Hebrew. You believe that they wrote it here? And they sent it as far as they, they were trying to, yeah. the The, the 1,240 mile range of our missiles this is, what he, this is what the, the Iranian said. The 1,240 mile range of our missiles is to confront the Zionist regime. Israel is surrounded by Islamic countries and will not last long in a war. It will collapse even before hitting, being hit by these missiles. Haman! on! What do you expect? Don't worry. Nothing to worry about. It's happening. This is what happened. Haman was at the top. He was at the top. We were signed off he, was, he had all the power. He was at the top. Mamish at this time of the year. They wrote it in Hebrew. They didn't write it in Arabic. In, in, they wrote it in Hebrew. So it's going to go up and it's going to come right back down. That's what's going to happen. The tree that they, that they, that they created to hang Mordechai specifically was the tree that, that Homan hung on. We have nothing to worry about. Anyone who's worried is making a very big mistake. Because I... Like, Because Ashkocha, I have to read you, it's going to lead me into Pasha Pekudei this week. About about having Emunah, right? What we say about Emunah and Bitochan, Emunah is believing that he can walk across the wire, Bitochan is getting on his shoulders. Big difference, right? He says like this, E'la Pekudei. Who wrote this? So this, this Sefer is written, this is called a Linna you have to get this Sefer, he's amazing, he's amazing. Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein is the son-in-law of Rabbi Yoshev, the brother-in-law of Chayan Kayanevsky. So this is written in Hebrew, it's also written in English on Bereish Shishmoth, he's amazing. He's, his stories and everything is amazing. So he writes that, um, a woman came to him, this is very deep, he says, a woman came to him, and she was crying that she had a bunch of children, and her husband walked out on her and left. He left he took her with the children, no money, no nothing. He just walked out on her. He traveled abroad. He went, he went away, and he ignored her. She kept calling. He totally ignored her. She was ready to broken. And she came. He's a, a guard Hadar. her doors. She came to him and she said she started crying I hey, have my children I have no money I have no food I have nothing the man he just left me I'm an iguna I can't get a divorce he's not calling me he's not talking to me she said I don't know what I did to antagonize him so she said that he want, she wanted him to contact a rub in the place that the husband went he said I don't know what to tell her I don't know what to tell this woman her husband's gone he doesn't want any part of her what am I going to tell her Rav Chayim Palachi, we're to called Moed L'cholchai, and he writes the following from the Tanah Develi Yehu, that Hashem sits and waits for the Jewish people to do tshuva. More than a father waits for a child or a woman, waits for her husband. Because Bochus sits in Shemayim, no matter what we do wrong, no matter how we misbehave, we're still here. He doesn't destroy us, right? Because He's waiting for us to come back to Him. Right to Chuva. So he says like this, and this is a secret that Rabbi Gamliel told me a long time ago. He said like this. He said, everything Hashem does is mida me mida, right? What mida Keneg? I don't even know how to say that in English. Mida me the So if you daven that the children of Klai should come back to Hashem, and you cry that Hashem. That we walked out on him, specifically, specifically all the kids and all the people that are, we spoke about last, right? Everything is random and they're atheists, right? He said, mida kinege if you daven and you cry that Hashem's children walked out on him, then Hashem will, that, that, and, and, and that there's a separation between the two, between Hashem and us, then of course, will bring back your husband. Mida kinege mida. And Chaim continues, believe me, every time I read this statement, tears flows from my eyes. So how can it be that the King of Glory, the God of the universe, sits and waits for us to repent so he can shower us with all the good in the world, but we still go on our wayward ways of our hearts and we are not stirred to repentance? If this would happen to a person's beloved son would not come home in the evening, at the time he usually comes home, right, we, all our parents, we, all all of us that are parents, and your kid doesn't show up on time, we look at the window, see the cracks, every time the car comes up the block, we see if it's them, Right, a woman's husband would travel abroad how great her suffering but until she finally sees him he says for Kurish Baruch the suffering is far greater the Tanah Devel says so he concludes and says Rav concludes he says HaShem is suffering so much why are we still in this deep slumber and why are we not repenting okay so I have to tell you something true story I had a student in Kran Shiva in 8th grade it was the first kid in my life that I could not discipline. I'm a disciplinarian. My, um, I love my, my students, but they were always very scared of me. Because I was strict, but I was fair and very loving. There was this one guy in my class I could not control. I could give him demerits, I could take away his recess, I could go on a trip and not let him come. It didn't matter what I did. There was no punishment that would change him. There was no consequence that would change him. He was a terror. One day, I thought to myself, I made trouble as a kid. What did my father do when I was totally out of control? What did he do? My father, once in my life, where I was totally out of control, totally ignored me. Like, I was talking to him, he made believe I wasn't there. He sat down at the table, you know, he would say, pass the food to my sister, and my brother, and, and, and I would take, you know, cause at that point I didn't want to be ignored, and I would take the bowl, and he would be like, so come on, why don't you pass it already? Like, I didn't exist. It made me nuts. I remember that feeling. I was so, cause I loved my father. And I had to be ignored by someone that you love is, is, is crazy. So I, I said, okay, whatever you want. Don't, just don't ignore me. I'll do anything. I don't care. So I said, you know what? Let me try it on him. So for three days in my class, he didn't exist. He would raise his hand. Can I go to the bathroom? Like anybody hear anything? Of course the class wanted to play along with me, right? Anybody hear anybody? Like playing basketball? Right? He said, pass the ball! I'll pass to, to a different guy. Like he, did, he didn't exist. And he was like, Rabbi, you need to talk, you can't do this, you can't do this. And I was like, anybody hear anything? Right? On the third day, was enough torture, on the third day, he came over to me, he said, I promise, I promise, if you stop ignoring me, I'll be the best kid in this class. I said, I'm not ignoring you now, I hear you. <laughs> today, to say he's my closest student he's like my son because I say that all the other guys are getting insulted he's one of my closest one of my one of my closest if not my closest Talmud. it took three days of ignoring him the pain of being ignored that you don't exist is the worst punishment that exists in the world you ask any guy What's the worst thing that makes you crazy that your wife does when she's angry at you? They'll tell you? She ignores me. It's not, a guys, we don't do that so much, but women sometimes they just, you just, they, 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 they clam up and you don't exist. Like, you say, come on, let's talk and like, you know, there's no answer. The worst thing makes you crazy. It's the most frustrating thing in the world to talk to someone who doesn't want to doesn't talk to you. You don't exist. You call, you call, and she keeps hitting the ignore button. She's not letting you talk. She's not letting you call. It's called the quiet treatment, silent treatment. There's nothing torturous, more torturous than the silent treatment. Nothing. I could. There was nothing I could do to this kid that would make him more crazy than not talking to him. The silent treatment. Surely... If a person ignores another person and gives that person a silent treatment, and the reason it hurts, the reason it hurts is because the person loves, I know that my father loves me and and he's not talking to me. Right? Could you imagine when we give Hashem the silent treatment? Could you imagine how God feels when you ignore Him? When you say He doesn't exist? when a guy can sit in front of me like I spoke about last week and say there is no God he's not here Hashem's like I I gave you this apple I I gave you this water I I gave you your eyes that you could see and your ears and your nose and you're like who's talking to me? who's that? I don't hear anybody I don't see anybody can you imagine the pain that we put Hashem into when we ignore him when we make believe he doesn't exist atheism is telling Hashem you don't exist and as much as Hashem a sunrise and a sunset and everything that he does a whole day it's like the kid who, who's being ignored and he's like hello come on talk to me I'm here hello don't you hear me try when you ignore your kid they're going to do that to you don't you hear this come on dad mom you can't make believe I'm not here you hear this And they're like, hey mom, mommy, did you hear anything? I didn't hear anything. I don't think Chaim came home yet and Chaim's standing right in front of you. It kills them. Don't do it. It's not nice. It's torture. Hashem is doing that every day, every second. He's clapping in the face. (laughs) You're breathing. You're eating. You're hearing. You're seeing. I'm here. And you're like, huh? What? There's no God. It's just random. It just happened. Can you imagine the pain? In Shemayim, that we give Hashem, we ignore Him. He doesn't exist. He's not in our life. Wow. Craziness. But what makes Him God? If I were Him, you ignore me, poof, the magic dragon. he are gone. You're not going to wake up the next morning. You're, you're waking up to ignore me? You're waking up, I'm giving you everything, and you're like, where is He? There's no God. Let's do whatever we want. If I was God, I was like, pull that one out of here. You know? We'll just keep the ones that, that appreciate what I do. No, I shouldn't give them life and life and life and money and this and that and children and families. And, and, and they're walking around ignoring him. Totally ignoring him. You don't exist. All the atheists, they totally ignore you. You don't exist. That's why he's God. Only God can do that. A human being can't do that. You can't do that. You ignore me and then you what? walk gives them life over and over and over. What God is. Unbelievable what God is. It's not normal. It's not normal. It doesn't make sense. Why are you why would you give someone life to say that you're not giving them life because you don't exist? So if I don't exist and I don't give you life, so the are like Hashem, this person said you don't exist and you don't give life. So listen to what they're saying. Don't give life. Give a heart attack. Have him hit by a car. Not so messy. Let them not wake up in the morning. Right? She's like, no. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next week. Maybe on their deathbed, they'll be 95 years old. They'll finally say, I think there's a God. I'm waiting. That's a Kurdish book. You know them all the time. Every time... Every time we don't show our curse a toe for what he does for us, we're ignoring him. He gives us a present called life. You do Not not only you don't say thank you, you he doesn't exist. It's not ridiculous. dick. So if you understand, if you were ever ignored by someone, and you understand the frustration and the pain of, of being ignored by someone, right? Imagine how many millions of people in this world, millions of people in his world that he created for the human being, for the person, are saying... Who? Where? You hear him? You see him? No, there's no one. It's random. It's a couple of cells that got together and created a world. Yeah, that's where we are. Anyway, it hurts. If it doesn't hurt, then you don't have the right relationship with him. He goes on, he says the following. He says, Ref Chaim writes, this is Palagi it was a big, 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 big guddle. So Chaim writes that all the Jewish people, if all the Jewish people, would have a conversation with Hashem after the Elah in Yom Kippur, once they've been purified, once we've finished the Yom Kippur, and it's the Elah, you know, they, they ask a question, when you finish the Elah, what are you daven? Myriv. What do you say, Myriv Shwan Esrei? Slachlanu. You didn't do anything wrong yet. What are you asking forgiveness for? You just finished Yom Kippur, right? Says you're asking for forgiveness because you're in such a you're you're already so hungry and in such a rush that until you got to Shmona Esrei you pretty much didn't think of any of the words you were saying, so you're ready the first one Esrei you're asking for forgiveness, so he said night he said if Kla Yisrael at the end of Yom Kippur if we would all turn to Hashem and say we are not budging we are not going home to eat and drink until you bring the Yeshua until you bring Mashiach. There is no doubt that this prayer would be accepted by Hashem. But we finish him kipper like a little boy coming, running out of school, and we we're just running home to eat. He said if at the end of Yom Kippur, when the Jewish nation is at their holiest time, if they would turn to Hashem and say, listen, this is not about eating, we're not budging. We're not going out of shul. We're not leaving. We're not budging until Mashiach comes. And Pelagi was a very big mekubble. He So Mashiach will come problem is that we don't. Okay. This is a little deep. It's a little um, textual. Okay, what I'm about to tell you. But it's very, very, very beautiful. So, there's a halacha. There's a halakha. that when you and when you lend somebody, let's say a poor man comes to you and you let's say you lend them $100. A poor lady comes to you and you lend her $100. But, Right? When you're lending it, you're not giving it to her. And you want to get paid back. So you're, you need what's called collateral. But she doesn't own anything. Right? She can't give her house as collateral. She doesn't own a house. So she has a jacket that's worth $100. You say, okay, here's the deal. I'll lend you the $100, but you gotta leave your jacket in my house until you give me back the $100. When you give me back the $100, I'll give you back your jacket. That way you know She's going to come back. Okay? I, I remember in Eretz Yisrael... Um, I took a taxi... And I didn't have my wallet. And I was coming from the airport. Um, where was my wallet? I don't know where my wallet is. But I, I couldn't get to it. Whatever it was. And the money was upstairs in the apartment. So the taxi guy drove, drove me away from Lod. And I said to him... Uh, I'm going upstairs. I'm going to get the money to pay you. He's thinking... He probably has a back door over here, right? I said, no, 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 no. Usually I had my, my hand luggage with me. I said, you actually have the fill in, Right? I showed him how my till in. I'm like, my fill worth more than I said. I'm leaving it in the car. So I was, then I said, my, my gosh, you could have driven off with it, right? But, but no, because I, I, I it's, a, it's a, what's it called? I happen to always look at the name and the, the car number, just in case. You never know. But if you lose something, at least you know, right? So anyway, to make a long story short, that was my collateral so the halacha is like this though she's a poor lady so let's say she doesn't need the jacket by day but she needs the jacket at night because she's cold I have to give her back the jacket at night so really I'm going through the night without collateral but the ani cannot cry to Hashem that they don't have because you're going to get into big trouble if she cries that she took my jacket as collateral it's going to be very bad for you that's the halacha you have to give it back to them when they need it. You can have it when they don't need it, but when they need it, you. Can, yeah, right? So if it's a night clothing, you take it by the day. If it's a day clothing, you take it by night. Okay. So it says the following in this week's parasha, pekude So it says the word Mishkan twice in the first in the second passage. This is a big uh, shabbos. The shabbos chazak, 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 Every Shabbos is a big Shabbos well. I don't know. I just feel very um always feel in Adar very um upbeat. But I have to tell you I didn't feel it so much Adarish, I feel it much more Adri Whatever. Um, so Paj Pakude starts like this. Eile Pekude Eile Pekude ha Mishkan, Mishkan Ha Aidus. These are the reckonings of the Mishkan. So Moshra Rabbeinu gave uh, an inventory of everything that he took so that they didn't think that he stole anything they, they didn't leave Moshe alone but anyway so it says the word Mishkan twice Mishkan Mishkan so the question is why does it say Shnei so Rashi says for both Beis HaMegdash's Be- that were destroyed they were taken as collateral instead of Hashem destroying us right so instead of destroying us he took as collateral he took the two Beis HaMegdash that was the collateral so the question is if the halacha is that you have to give back the collateral when they need it how come we didn't give us back the base of Ignash? Hashem lives by our halachas. So you took it as collateral so that we shouldn't be destroyed. Right? Okay, but now we need it. So how come we don't have it back? That's the question that's asked. You look at the Psukim Shmos 22. It's an interesting halacha about lending with um, it's called a mashkon mashkon is collateral it's called a mashkon it's in Pashas I hear somebody whispering she knows exactly what I'm talking about very smart everyone's very smart I don't want to embarrass her because I know where she's sitting anyway so this is what it says in Perek No, it can't be prayerful, okay, because that's not the prayer. Obeys. Obeys. Okay, here, yeah, this is what the Basic says. This a mitzvah midst of the Torah. Obeys, Obeys. No, that's not the prayer. Sorry. very scared, you have to be very careful to not make a poor person cry it's a very nice thing okay if you lend money to my nation to the poor person you cannot take, uh, you should not be a creditor you shouldn't take interest okay if you take your this person's clothing as a security, as a collateral, When the sun comes, when the sun sets, you have to give it back to him because it's going to be cold that night. You have to give it back to him. Because that's the only clothing she has. This is the clothing that's covering his skin, her skin. What is she supposed to lay in if you if you take away her clothing? If she cries out to me, I'm going to listen to her because I have, because I have mercy and you're going to be in big trouble. Okay? So the question we're asking Hashem, if that's the halacha, so what's the deal? You took the base of me collateral, you have to give it back according to your own, according to your own mitzvah in the Torah. We need it. We need it very badly. You have to give it back. It's scary what he says. He's scary what he says. He says, you know why we're not getting it back? Because we don't need it, we don't tell Hashem I'm cold without the base amikdash. We don't tell Hashem I can't live in this world. I got a beautiful house. I got a great car. I have a great job, right? So I don't need the collateral. I don't need the base hamigdash. I remember once we were talking about Mashiach and the whole thing with Mashiach. And it was this year I was getting in the bullshit Mashiach's coming and the Gemara says and Shmita whatever it is. And the guy says. Oh, the Mets are going to get in the World Series. Could he wait till after the World Series? So you think you need Mashiach? So I read you what he says inside. He says, but when the base amigdash is taking us collateral, no one is crying out. So why should Hashem return it to us? Yeah, we're not crying out. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not telling Hashem I'm shivering at night without your base amigdash. So, so Hashem says, if you don't need it, if you don't need the collateral, I'll keep it. I'll hold it. So what could what could you do? What could any of us in this room do? We can't change the whole price, She so brings down from a very big tzaddik whose name was Rav Zalmola. Listen carefully. <laughs> that if an individual cries and prays to Hashem to return the Beit Hamikdash, right, and it bothers you, Hakadosh Baruch Hu bestows upon him a blessing along with his shechina that he will have enjoyed in the Beit Hamikdash had it been standing. In other words, it's not standing, but you want it to be standing. So Hashem awards you with the holiness and the beauty and the simcha as if it was standing and you were in the base of Mikdash. So you may not be able to change the whole Klaisro, but you can change yourself. And we know, this is this talks about ani. We, we know on, on Purim it's a very big thing to um, to give money to Anim. I'll tell you a crazy story. We'll end with this. Where, where Pastor pastor always says, I want to tell you an amazing story. For some reason, I say a crazy story. I don't know why. Different washing. It's a true story. There was a very, very rich man. And he was a very big Bach And he made a wedding. And he... In those days, they, when they made a wedding, you either did one of two things. You made a, a party, a su'ud of the day before for the anim. And you gave them, mamash like the food, like a wedding. Or if you didn't want them to feel so different, at the wedding you set tables for aniyim, specifically for aniyim for poor people. I don't understand these wedding halls. Sometimes I'm in a wedding hall and the guys come collecting and they shoo them out, and they say that the, the person who's making the wedding gave upfront money and go to the office. They'll give you the money. Don't we don't want the beggars walking around the, you know, with the, with the people that are celebrating. I'm like just the opposite. You crazy. You want the Yitzhahara to... Just the opposite. Invite every poor person, give them to eat, let them sit down, make a meal for them. You have to take care of the poor people. If they cry, so I'm going to tell you a crazy story, a true story. So so this guy was a very nice guy. He was a very nice guy. And he has this wedding. And he's by the chuppah. He's the father of the girl. And the girl's now going around, you know, the seven times. And there, there's a guy talking to the father, the guy who's going to make the announcement... You know who's going to make the brachas and the ksav and everything else, and this very poor man comes up to him and says, "Oh, this this father, women don't know that much that much about this." So, so in shul, in the old days, and today in Hasidic shuls, and I have it on Yom Kippur. So, when you're davening, you know you don't you're not allowed to eat before davening. So sometimes you get a little weak and a little lightheaded and a little tired. So we have what's called tabak, right? Tabak is crushed tobacco with a, scent it, a a scent in it. It's called a schmecktabak. So you, you smell it and it makes you sneeze, right? And you sneeze and you, and it wakes you up. Well, a it's, it's, it's worthless. It's, it, it costs nothing, right? But everyone, I have it, I have it on your but I have a few, I have a mint, mint, and I have a lemon, and I have, I have all these different smells that very cute because all the new I always remember to smell, your go around to every single person, with my stuff, you know, to give it out, which is a, it's, it's a good. Feel. Anyway, it's called a shmecktavik. It's nothing. It you don't make a bracha on it. It doesn't even have enough that you make a bracha on it. You don't make a bracha. That's why Yom Kippur. You're not supposed. To, I don't know if you're supposed to smell some and make some, I don't. Know, but it doesn't have a smell. It's a shmektabek. It's worth a penny. It's worth a nickel. It's worth nothing. It's worthless. So this this man was known that he always. Um, in shul, he was like the guy who had the shmek tavik on his on his table, and people would come by, the different tastes, whatever it was. So this poor man knew that the father of the Kala had in his pockets. He always had shmek tavik. It's a little thing to have. There were people, even when I was growing up, the 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 in my shul in Muncie, he always had a, a silver, a beautiful silver little box that had tavik in it, right? So he comes up to the to the man. It's Mavish in the middle of Chupa, and the poor man says to him. Could I just, uh, I'm, 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 I'm hungry and I feel faint. Could you, could you just give me a shmek And he's like, I'll give you, I'll give you, but I can't do it right now. I'm busy. It's my wedding. You have to understand. Listen, this is not the time. You'll come to me after the khutbah. I'll give it to you. But this is not the time. I'm sorry. I can't give you right now. And he shoos him away. This guy walks out of the, of the wedding and he turns to Hashem and he says, I understand, Hashem, that you, that I'm an onion, that I'm a poor man, and that you're not giving me money, and that I have no food a whole week. But you can't even give me a shrek tabak. He says, to Hashem, you can't even give me a shrek tabak. That's how low I am. I'm such a nothing. You can't even give me a smell, a little smell of a little tabak. Okay. What happens? The rich man starts to lose his money after the wedding. And he comes to the Divrechain, I think it was the Divricha, I'm not sure which rebbe. He comes to his Reva, and every deal he makes goes bad. Every deal he makes goes bad. The poor man, right, ends up going to the next town, right? And somebody gave him a little bit of money to start a business, and his business took off and the money that he's losing He's getting. It's a true story. And he comes to the Rebbe, and he says to he doesn't know anything, and he comes to the Rebbe, he says, Rebbe, I don't understand what's going on. I gave tzedakah, I took care of people, I helped the Rebbe, I helped the yeshivas, I'm a good man, I'm, every deal, I, I just lost two boats, was sunk, that I had all my money on. What does Hashem want for me? The rebbe said, I need a night to think about it. The next day, the Rebbe comes back to me he says, In a dream I saw, is it true, do you remember? At the wedding of your daughter, a very broken poor man came to you in the middle of the chuppah, and he asked you for a shmek Thinking, he's thinking, yeah, yeah, Arul of the me yeah, I know Arul of the Ani, yeah, I was in the middle, I told him I'd give it to him right after the chuppah, I told him I would give it to him right after the chuppah, yeah, yeah, Itaka didn't see him after that, by the wedding. He said, you need to go see him. All the money you lost, he got. He says, what? Why? He says, when he left your wedding, he started screaming to Shemayim because you didn't give him the tabak. He had tainus to Hashem. You didn't even give me a Shemayik tabak. So he asked the Rebbe, how am I going to get my money back? So Rebbe said, this is what you do. I heard that his daughter got engaged. Now he's rich. He's making a wedding. Wait till the chuppah when she's going around seven times dress she was poor at that point you know dress poor go over to him and ask him Hush tabak. and when he says come to me after the Chuppah then it's Mida Kinege mida. he'll lose all his money you'll get it all back if if he's going to do the same thing you did then you don't deserve to have less than him okay True story. Comes to the, he comes to the wedding. He waits for the moment. The guy that was poor is now rich. He's standing under the chuppah. The daughter, his daughter, is going around seven times. The guy, the, the, they're talking about what the kibud are going to be. This guy, who of course the poor man would not. who what used to be poor was now rich would not even recognize him because the last time he saw him he didn't know that he lost he didn't know that he lost all his money right he got his money he didn't know that he lost all his money, so he would never recognize that if that was the same guy and he waits for the right second he goes please please a schmecktabek please could you give me a schmecktabek and the old guy that was poor that was now rich says sure and he takes out three canisters of schmecktabek and he says which one would you like? And the poor man faints. Faints out right on the spot. The guy who used to be rich. And they pour water and there's a whole town around, the whole thing, whatever it is. Anyway, he doesn't know what happened. The old poor man that's now rich, you know what happened, whatever it is. So they, they wake him up and they sit him down and after the chup, system, says to him, I, 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 I offered you to Shem Maktamik. You want food? You want money? I'll, I'll help you. What do you need? He says, you don't recognize me, do you? He says, no. He says... You came to my wedding when you were very poor and you asked me for a shmek Tavik and I said no. And I went to the Rebbe and the Rebbe said all the money that I had I lost and now you have. And I figured I'm going to take it back. And I asked you for a Shmech and you not only offered me Shmech but you took out three different kinds. So the poor man that became rich said to him we'll become partners. And he gave him they went to the different, whoever the Rebbe was and he gave them, he gave them half, and they became partners in business, and the two of them, whatever. It has to be so. I'm talking to myself. Because this morning I had somebody bother me by davening. I did not react the right way. Where's this story it's a very famous chassidisha maestro. I could, I could, I, I've said this, I said this many years ago. I could look it up. It's a very famous chassidisha. It's called the shmek Every, any chassidisha person, kid, you tell them, you know the story of, I think it's Arulah with the, with the Shemek Tavik. I mean, they all know it. Careful you have to be. When a poor person puts out their hand, you're in the middle of working. You're like, well, what are you bothering me for? Be very careful. It's sometimes, if you don't give them, they're going to end up with all your stuff. That's not it. Altogether, you have to be very, very careful. So on on Purim specifically, it's called a nice Yad Naisnabayin. The Shulchan Aruch says that anyone who puts out their hand, even if you don't think they're Jewish, on Purim, you have to put something in it. A quarter, a dollar, fifty cents, you can't send that hand away empty. You don't ask questions on Purim. You don't have to give them a million dollars, but you don't a hand that's put out, and that's why there's a minig called, everyone who knows about Hanukkah gelt, but there's a minig by Hasidim that when the kids come and bring you Shlachmanes, you give them Purim gelt, you give them a dollar. they gave you something, you don't let them leave empty handed or you give them the shlachmanes that they ended up, you know how to do it the shlachmanes, they sent the shlachmanes right, they sent the shlachmanes to you then you took the paper out of their shlachmanes and sent it to your friend who took the paper out and it ended up that their shlachmanes that they sent to you ended up coming back to them from somebody else it's a, it happens so, what? It's you, once you, once they give it to you, you, it's yours, you're allowed to do that, sure. It's yours. Once it's yours, right? Shlachmanus ishriyo. the mitzvah is to send two separate items of food to one person. Matanus Avyonim is one item to two people. In other words, one and one. Shlachmanus is two. And, and according to many places, it should be something that's edible right away. So don't send them cans of raw, raw stuff or raw potatoes or stuff like that. Don't send them things that are raw. That are not edible unless they're, unless they're cooked. It should be something that's edible. Listen, we we uh, I can't say anything because I have a Pesach program, and 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 I can't say anything, right? So because I have a Pesach program, but but mice in the old days Purim, my my mother always tell me that in Europe Purim, like they were, the women were baking now, they were baking now for Purim, and and it was no such thing as buying. Something and sending it to someone, you made it. Like, you sent stuffed cabbage, you sent potato kugel, you sent, so they were, they were cooking and freezing a bag, it was no such sort of thing as, 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 you know, buying in the store, $25 schlachmanas, eh, then it went to the next house, go to the next house, to the next house, to the next house. They, they, they actually worked. We, we, listen, that's why I can't, I can't give a about it because how can you have a Pesach program? If, you know, the work that we used to do, the enjoyment, the work, the work that we used to do. My grandmother was German, right? We are yekkas. So when I was a little boy, the yekkas have a minig. They bake what's called a haman. They bake a little gingerbread guy, and around his neck, I'm serious, around his neck is a ribbon. And as a kid, she would bake that specifically for Purim. They bake. They're called hamans. And there's these little hummuns with a little thing around their neck because they're hung. It was, I remember my grandmother baked when I came to her, port, it was like the biggest thing. We lost that. We lost that. You know, you go to the bakery and you buy hamantash. Who makes hamantash? So yeah, alright, we're very busy. You know, but on the other hand, we do give more tzedakah today than was ever given in the history of Clydesdale. Nothing to talk about. You have no idea. The multi-millions of dollars that are given for Pesach and Moschitim, you have no idea. Millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars for people, for Pesach packages, so that they have what to eat on Pesach. Christchal has never given this much stock. Because in Christchal there were two rich people in one city or one town. Today, Baruch Hashem, there's, there's a lot of rich people. and. You know, people say things about Flatbush. Probably the center of the world when it comes to tzedakah. Probably the most money that goes out there. And that's why everybody comes to Flatbush collecting. So there's a lot of tzedakah that comes out of here. So, you know we we haven't we haven't had a Beit Hamidrash for a very very long time, but we got the Iranians. They're back. Chutzpah <laughs> they write it in Hebrew. It's like. So if the missile comes back and and lands on them, so it's our Hebrew that's written on there. Instead, they wrote it's it's when I heard when I when I when I I read it today, I'm like Hashem, this is this is absolutely hilarious. It's hilarious. It's exactly what happened. He built a tree to hang Mordechai. That tree hung him. Today of all days, they decided they wrote it in Hebrew. Wise guys, they don't write in Aramaic. Hashem. It's going to be good. It is good. It's going to be better. This is our month. And Benishan Nigla. Benishan, we're going to be, Hashem. this is the year after after Shemitah. You're going to see big miracles and big Nisan. And if Chai puts out their hand, this Purim, instead of asking for money, or a job, or children, or Shidduch, or any of that, if we ask for the base HaMigdash, and we want our mashkom back. We want it back. You took it. But we want it back because we cannot live anymore like this. We want our security back. Then definitely I curse buckle put it on our hands. And basically, you will be to see that. remain. Please do not ignore your children and do not ignore your husbands. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.